Welcome to Freedom Matters Today. I'm Michael J. Sutton. I'm the founder and CEO of Freedom Matters Today. And this is our July podcast. The heart of the Christian message is freedom. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Christ has set us free for freedom. It seems fairly unambiguous. It seems fairly certain. And it seems fairly clear that freedom and Christ go together. In Freedom Matters today, we look at freedom from a Christian perspective. We have freedom from guilt and shame because of Jesus. We have freedom from sin and death, fear and despair, past and prejudice, fascism and tyranny, war and conflict. We have been living in COVID insanity for the last three years and we need to pivot in order to move to a different perspective. My goal in Freedom Matters today is to challenge the narratives over faith, life, flag and futures by applying the identity, the words and the actions of Jesus to our busy, postmodern, post-COVID lives, struggles and problems. I have no confidence whatsoever or support for the institutional church, its rituals, regulations and laws that have denied, undermined or confused the central message of the good news about Jesus. Every generation, Christians take a good look at the current mess and they decide to step out in faith. They listen to God. They read their Bible. They walk in the Spirit And one of the things they do is withdraw their support for the dominant orthodoxy of institutional religion. There's nothing really wrong or new with Freedom Matters Today. Freedom Matters Today is a modern movement, or we aspire to be. But we have many in the past who have done exactly what we're doing. It is what the Protestants did when they stepped away from the dominant orthodoxy of institutional religion. They didn't submit to the authorities, as the COVID fascists tell us today, submit to government. Well, the Protestants didn't submit to the state. They withdrew their support for the dominant political orthodoxy of institutional religion, and they created Protestantism. So did the Pentecostals, the Assemblies of God, and the Methodists, and many who listened to George Whitfield's preaching. Over time, sadly, tragically, unfortunately, these new movements became as corrupt as the ones they sought to replace. So each generation has Christians who take a good look at the mess and decide to step out in faith, listen to God, walk in the Spirit. And one of the things they do is to withdraw support for the dominant orthodoxy of institutional religion. And if you go to your local Christian bookshop 
I can guarantee that 95% of those books were written by men and women who did just that. They walked in the Spirit. They withdrew their support for the orthodoxy, for Christian fascism, for institutional religion, because what they saw in that institutional faith was no faith. Today, instead of following Jesus, many Christians, post-COVID hysteria, are rushing to defend the bricks-and-mortar buildings, the old sectarianism, the outdated cultural creeds, the defunct denominations and the culture war. They talk about Christianity or Christ, the faith, Jesus, but in reality they are but footnotes to their main concerns, which are moralism, isolationism, money and power. These priorities are killing faith across the West and will lead to the eventual demise of Christian witness. Christians will defend the Church, but not Christ, nor are they interested in the identity, the words and actions of Jesus anymore, as the challenge of Jesus is too deep, too personal and too real. It's better to keep God boxed up on Sunday. It is better to retreat to the monastery rather than live in the world. And it is better to hide in rituals than embrace a relationship. What does it mean to follow Jesus today in our busy, postmodern, post-COVID hysteria life? This is the question for us today, and this is the focus of Freedom Matters Today. In coming months, we are pivoting away from the problems that face us to the solutions that God presents us, away from the swamp, the mud and the filth, to the light, the path and the way forward. It is time, my friends, to look at freedom afresh. It is time to walk out in faith. It is time to offer a brand new narrative to our mad world, shaped by the identity, the words and the actions of Jesus. If our new narrative is shaped by Christ, if our new narrative is shaped by the identity of Christ, the words of Christ and the actions of Christ, then we will not be led astray. If our narrative is of our own creation, we will be sucked into the turmoil and the maelstrom of the nonsense and madness of COVID hysteria to be replaced by the war hysteria in Ukraine, to be replaced by climate hysteria, a succession of hysterias engineered by the state and intended to indoctrinate and weaponize us ready for a new war with China. I'm not interested in that insanity. The only narrative that matters to me is a narrative shaped by God. The narrative shaped by the Church and their complicity with government agendas is an obscenity. So what does the Bible say about freedom? There are many Bible verses that speak of Christian freedom. Indeed, it is impossible to talk about Christianity without speaking of freedom. Freedom owes itself 
in terms of its modern understanding of freedom, at least in the last few thousand years, from the ideas and the example set by Christ and the words that come from the New Testament, the Christian New Testament, as well as the, uh, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. But freedom is a controversial term today. Many churches don't want to talk about it. Many churches denounce any other Christian who does mention the word freedom. And so many in the church condemn the talk of freedom as being unchristian. During the lockdowns, many churches rejected the martial law tyranny. Many stood against the suspension of democratic freedoms. But the church overall supported martial law, supported tyranny, and they supported mandates. The message of these fascists was that freedom was not important to the Christian gospel, that Christians ought to submit to the state and whatever the state decides. They were and remained liars and frauds, being morally and spiritually bankrupt. Let me just say that again. The churches that capitulated to the state, closed down, took the vaccine passport ideology and the vaccine mandate policy, as well as accepting money from the government, were morally and spiritually bankrupt. There's always opportunity for repentance for those who stray from God and stray from the gospel, and they need to repent and turn to God. And maybe they can pay tax to God, tax to the state, sorry, because that's what God wants. After all, aren't we supposed to submit to the state? These churches need to open the Bible, that they keep closed, and they need to think of the God that they pretend to believe in. But there are many passages in the New Testament that speak of freedom. Let me mention a few. It's not an exhaustive list. From 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 that I mentioned before. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. From John chapter 8, verse 36, that great verse, If the Son shall set you free, then you will be free indeed. These are the words of Christ. If the Son shall set you free, then you will be free indeed. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, We may approach God with freedom and confidence. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, Live as free people. Live as free people. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, These are the words Christ spoke when he was in his hometown of Nazareth, and he's quoting from the Old Testament, He has sent me to proclaim freedom. So Jesus was sent by the Father into the world, what? To proclaim freedom government directives, to proclaim public health priorities, what, to proclaim submission to the government? No, he was sent to proclaim freedom. Matthew chapter 10 verse 8, freely you have received, freely give, talks of the character of those who have received freedom. If we have been set free by Christ, how much ought freedom shape our lives? John chapter 8, verse 32, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
from the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 39. Through him, that's through Christ, everyone who believes is set free from sin. Wow. That's not something you hear every day from church these, is it? Through him, everyone who believes is set free from sin. Bit of a spanner in the works to Christian fascism. Romans 3, verse 24, all are justified freely by his grace. So there is a strong link between grace and freedom. Romans chapter 6, verse 22, chapter 6 of Romans is really an incredible uh, revelation. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. Revelations 1, 5, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins through his blood. This is not an exhaustive list in any way, shape or form. But what these verses do say and affirm and proclaim is that the Lord Jesus Christ and freedom are um, linked, that they are mutually uh, tied together, mutually interdependent, that you cannot talk about freedom unless you talk about Jesus and you cannot talk about Jesus unless you talk about freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's fairly unambiguous, certain and clear. So let's freedom, let the freedom of Christ, that the freedom that he has brought into our lives, let that shape our lives and our relationships with others and with ourselves. So today we're talking about the role of the church in COVID. And it's part one of a two-part reflection. How did churches fail in COVID-19? Many people have asked me, how did the churches fail in COVID-19? These are important questions because these institutions, even though they despise each other, claim to be the sole vehicle for promoting the good news about God in the world. In the past, that's not today of course, but in some countries churches are very influential, such as Australia or um, America. But in the past, churches ran governments. They controlled governments. Uh, they um, were in charge of governments, much like many accuse corporations of doing today, except instead of social media, bread and circuses, cancel culture, digital passports and vaccines, the churches simply murdered people who didn't fit their model of faith. There were centuries of murder, death and conquest, be it the Catholic, Orthodox or Protestant churches. The culture war, which we are experiencing today, which the church had a part in starting, are skirmishes and holding actions compared to the total wars of religion in the past, wars that destroyed cities and countries, that raged on for centuries and created the conditions for the rise of true political freedom, which was, in the West at least, freedom from ecclesiastical power. Most Christians today think that the government is out to get the church, and that the government is wicked and out to destroy Christianity. But for centuries, for a thousand years, we lived under ecclesiastical rule, under the rule of the church. And anyone who dared question the church in any way, shape or form was persecuted or murdered. We just look up a history book. History is there for, to be read. The churches don't like to talk about it, of course, because... It, uh, it's very embarrassing, scandalous, and disgraceful. 
Let's look at how churches failed in COVID-19, at least in summary form. First, religious apostasy. In COVID-19, most churches closed their doors, adopted vaccine passports, solicited and received government subsidies which they did not need, ensuring the end of their financial insecurities. For many churches, COVID-19 was the best thing that ever happened to them and they laughed all the way to the bank. But other churches went further and they condemned people who stood up to tyranny. They enlisted fascist propaganda, the worst we've seen since the days of Franco. They corrupted biblical texts to suit their political agenda and they expelled thousands of ministers and priests and pastors around the world. Even today, many of these men and women are still expelled. I have been the victim of bullying by fascists who claim their churches stood against tyranny during COVID-19. They remind me of the men who, after the Second World War, pretended to be veterans but lied about their service. Churches oppose democratic rights. Most churches have medieval and perverse disciplinary and court systems that have caused the ruin of thousands of ministers, priests and pastors over the years. Church courts are an oxymoron and they're basically illegal and in Australia they're out of touch with the values of Australian democracy and the rule of law. These church courts are relics of the time when churches had the sword. These days the churches use ecclesiastical abuse to keep people in line, expel people, destroy reputations and exist as an alternative source of secular law. It's worked well for centuries. Over the years, I've met many people whose lives were destroyed by the Star Chamber and the secret tribunals of this crooked and wicked institution that preys on the vulnerable while pretending to pray to God. Whenever their money or position in society is threatened, however, these hypocrites lay aside their church courts and they rush to the secular court to defend their property and their money. Secular disputes are denounced by Christ, but their money and reputation are at stake, so it's no wonder they go to court to prove to the court their innocence, and innocence they deny to their own congregations. These hypocrites talk about submitting to authorities, but they themselves refuse to do so. I mention this because so many ministers, pastors and priests were effectively excommunicated from the faith for daring to stand up to secular and ecclesiastical tyranny. I'm not sure whether these hypocrites in the church even bothered to take the unvaccinated through the charade of the church courts or whether they were dismissed on the spot or encouraged to resign. The dismissal of the unvaccinated or the forced resignation of the unvaccinated is a matter for the secular courts or civil actions against churches uh, and people in authority in church. And you are not committing a sin if you are taking your priest, pastor and church to the courts. You are upholding justice and God is a believer in justice. Just read the Bible. It's easy to find information through the Charities Commission as to which churches accepted JobKeeper, took the money and closed their churches. But beyond this, churches need to prove that they did not violate their charity laws by giving medical advice from the pulpit. I suspect many priests, pastors and ministers told people to get vaccinated and attempted to provide medical advice from the pulpit. However, 
if they were not medical doctors or physicians, I cannot see how they were acting in accordance with charity laws. Churches also oppose freedom. The reality is that several denominations these days are so godless that they don't even believe in God anymore. But the funny thing is, in these places you can believe that there's no God, that Jesus never existed, that Christ never rose from the dead, but you can keep your stipend in the church and your position, but not if you are unvaccinated. This is the wickedness of COVID-19. When a crisis comes, don't expect the church to be on the side of freedom. They will be making lists of people that are unwelcome and casting them out. They will be reporting to the police, church members who oppose government policy. This was done during COVID-19 by many, and it will be done again. Churches also attract soul catchers. You can never really trust these people again, but you never could anyway. After all, most ministers, priests and pastors are soul catchers. What do I mean? Well, they want to keep you in fear. They want to keep you in guilt and shame. And they want to prevent you from finding the freedom that God gives. The last person they want you to meet is Christ. Because then you have no need of them. Never underestimate, my friends, the desire for control. For control over others. Over their minds, over their hearts and over their souls. There are many who are faithful to God, many faithful ministers, pastors and priests. But these days they are in the minority. Sooner or later godly men and women must stand for the truth and when they do the church shows them the door even in the best places. In a practical sense the church is the last institution in society where there are virtually no rules for checking the psychological condition of leaders. Many priests and ministers and pastors are uniquely ill-suited to lead. Many have a God complex, and many are just plain bullies and thugs. Many, many are also abused by the congregation and change forever. They have their hope and their expectations bashed out of them. Many just need help, and they cry out for help but no help comes. Many suffer abuse from the congregations, and many are burnt out because their churches simply don't care. My friends, this is the church. The church is an absolute disgrace. Many priests, ministers and pastors are just downright corrupt, and they're in it for the money. These corrupt ministers have come to the right place because money and power are the real goals of the modern Western church anyway. So where do we go from here? It is my belief that the Christian church in the West needs to be completely reformed. There needs to be a radical overhaul of the church by the state to protect vulnerable people from the church. The church needs to be brought into the economy and the tax system. There needs to be psychological evaluations of all church leaders and adequate training. But many Christian nationalists lie about the separation of church and state. They don't want scrutiny or oversight. They don't want people knowing about the nepotism, the corruption or the search for power. But in the West, my friends, there is no real separation of church and state. This is based on a simple misunderstanding of how the state works. There is no such thing as a national institution 
that exists outside of a legal framework decided upon, negotiated by, and sustained by the state. There is no such thing as a magical separation of church and state, not even in the American or Australian Constitution. Let me explain what I mean. It is not only the provisions or the absence of religious freedoms that influence the conduct, existence, and perpetuity of church organizations and bodies. Many laws, many regulations, shape, inform, and transform the worship of God when it moves from a simple personal or loosely held private group to a legal entity under the state. Failure to understand this is profound, and it shows deep ignorance of how governments work. It is the state that determines the boundaries of church charities. The constitutional boundaries were not set up to protect the church from the state, but to protect the state from the church and religious power, an evil power in history that plagued the West for a thousand years. The framers of the American Constitution and the Australian Constitution were careful not to make religious profession a condition of office, unlike the English system where the king must be a Protestant member of the Church of England regardless of whatever innovative oaths he took when taking office. The English state is subordinate to the Church of England and they are so closely intertwined that where religion ends and secularism begins is unclear. The future of the church, I'm sorry to say, will be tyranny, abuse and decline. I've listed a number of forms that I believe must take place, especially bringing the church into the tax system. Churches don't pay tax and they hide behind their charity laws and lots of Christians say this fence is fantastic. But if you run a small business, if you run a corporation, what you know is that if you are part of a competitive market system, the freedom that that brings is liberating. It enables you to effectively run a business without any of the constraints and the problems that afflict charities. Charities are designed to help people uh, who are usually um, without food or clothing or, or things like that. And many charities exist to do that, to fill a need in society. But churches are not charities. They're service providers, literally a service provider. But in terms of economics, they provide a service. They're service providers. And instead of enabling them to be free, governments have trapped them in the uh, oppressive charity structure. So churches do need to be reformed, but I don't believe any church reform will be forthcoming. The abuse of children will continue unabated, especially in Australia, where recently courts are increasingly unwilling to prosecute child abusers because it is alleged they will not get a fair trial. This, my friends, is a green light to pedophiles. Expect more debased and disgusting cases of child abuse from within the church. The abuse directed against priests, the bullying, the harassment and the toxic relationships with congregations will end up in the courts where priests will sue churches and individuals for compensation. Likewise, congregation members will increasingly sue priests, pastors and ministers for their abuse of power, their deceit and their corruption. Governments will continue to show a lack of leadership due to the nepotism and cronyism between political parties, religious schools and this misguided sense of loyalty. 
All of this points to the collapse of the church in the West. The churches will continue to act outside the tax system, greenlighting fraud and corruption. Efforts to attract parents to religious schools will continue, but churches will amend the teachings of the Bible to maximize profit, and children will graduate with a deep sense of moralism and no sense of grace and love. Moralism erodes the authenticity of faith, replacing grace with the law, mercy with inflexible justice, and does away with the need for a saviour, since all that matters is their version of the law of Moses. Churches ultimately will not let you follow Jesus. So leave, my friends, leave the church. The Jewish followers of the Messiah in the days of Christ did not go back into the synagogue system to reform it. They left. The Jewish followers of the Messiah did not protect Jerusalem when the Romans came to destroy it. They left. They did not defend the temple when Rome came to burn it. They left. Come out and be separate, says the Lord, and there is no clearer case than today. Christians are not called to protect the institution or the rituals or the rites or the traditions, but to stand together contending for the good news. Paul writes in Philippians that we ought to be standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith which is the good news. Chapter 1, verse 27 from the New Living Translation. Most Christians, however, hate each other, and that's even in the same church, let alone the church down the road. So what should Christians do? Like the men and women in the past who were confronted with an evil church, we are to leave it and start anew. The answer is simple. Don't go to church. Follow Jesus instead. Leave the churches that closed their door to you. Don't ever go back there again. Leave the churches that implemented COVID vaccine passports. Leave the churches that accepted government money and then suddenly were coincidentally quiet for three years. If you want, you can start your own gathering. You don't have to pay these crooks and frauds anymore. After all, you're free. Your life does not belong to your church. You are free to make your own choices. Leave the church and start again. If you have God, then you have everything. You are free to set up a home Bible study or a cafe group, or you can simply live out your faith in life. These days you know church-going people in public because all they talk about is the church, the church, the church, the church. The church, the church, the church. They never talk about God. They never make faith real. And for them it's all about the ritual because they don't have the relationship. COVID-19 was a terrible time for all Christians, but now we see clearly because most churches stood on the side of the state against Christ. They stood for tyranny against freedom and revealed their true heart, which is a love for money and power, because they lack the humility of God and because they have given up on the power of God to change lives. Leave these places of abuse if you can. Step out into the light and embrace the freedom for which you have been set free and follow Jesus. Remember, freedom matters today because you matter to God.